0: So, if I told you that this was episode 83 of Extra Rounds, I'm not sure you would believe me, but it's true. At least I think it's true. Ray Longo, w- would you believe me if I said this was episode 83 of Extra Rounds?
1: I actually would not believe it, DJ. It seems like, uh, man, it seems like we're in the 20s, maybe 30s, but. Well, 80- may-
0: maybe yeah, it's. it's- a- Maybe good. maybe it's because you've only been on, like, 30 episodes, and that's really all anybody's ever watched, by the way. They only watch when Ray Longo's on the show.
1: Yeah, that's how I equate anything. Right. If I wasn't on, those shows don't even count.
0: It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that logic. But, no, uh, the show matters. Ray Longo's here. Hey, everybody. TJ DeSantis. Time for our, uh, you know, priming. Of the uh, weekend coming up here, we got a uh, good one for you. Uh, the UFC back in action inside the Apex. Jared Kananier taking on Kelvin Gastelum. We uh, open up uh, our program today by checking out some uh, Jared Kananier here uh, to get us started. Right, we're going to talk about this on the show uh, as we uh, you know get closer um, to this uh, uh, fight coming up on Saturday. We'll break it down. But like uh, when when you look at Jared Kananier, he's like silently becoming a, a real threat at 185 I know he lost his last fight but you know so far so good since moving down from from 205 pounds
1: first off man just looking at him here the guy is massive it's uh just incredible when you put your mind to it and you eat properly and you do the right things working out what what your body is capable of doing and I think we're seeing that with Kanania coming down from what could his weight be here
0: uh, he's at 205 here, taking on Surreal Asker, so uh, at light heavyweight.
1: Pretty pretty huge there, too. Right,
0: and uh, that's what he weighed in at. So, like, what is he weighing in this actual fight come fight time? Probably 215,
1: 220? Yeah, yeah, and then to go down to... Uh Where is he at now? 185? 185,
0: yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting because not many people would think about a light heavyweight fighting a welterweight. But in a roundabout way, that's kind of what we have here on Saturday night. Kelvin Gastelum, a former welterweight, now competing at 185 pounds. Like, there was a time that you could say, what do you think about Jared Cannonier versus Kelvin Gastelum? And people would just look at you like, why are we talking about a 205-pound fighter fighting a 170-pound fighter?
1: I mean, he looks like a completely different person than this fight right here, completely.
0: Now, one thing that I've, I've heard and I, I've seen, unfortunately, the, the other way, when uh, there, was, there was a kid in, in Minnesota on the regional level that fought at 155 pounds and then he took like four years off and he came back and he was a heavyweight, so you know you know what he was doing with his time off. But when yeah. he shot his first double leg Ray, like, the momentum kept him going forward because it was almost like muscle memory that he wasn't used to. Like He wasn't used to having that momentum. It does take time to get comfortable in that new skin. What, what would what do you say about that when it's you know someone like Jared Kananier moving, you know, down uh, to one eighty five from two hundred five. D- does he feel significantly different, do you think?
1: I think he feels significantly significantly different. And I and I'll tell you, TJ, a lot of times the going up and down, I mean, really is based on how tall you are, right? So if you're really short, you you really there's only one place for you to go. That's right. and that's up. So sometimes the guys who have a, a tall Ooh. frame uh you look at that shot. Yeah. They have a taller frame. I mean, they they can make that transition way easier. Right. You know, what I mean? like again, you got to realize too. What I mean, it's just a, it's just something for thought. Like there's weight categories, but there could be height categories. You know what I mean? So it's interesting. A, or you know, guy in a, at 145 pounds, that's a big advantage over uh you know a guy that's going to come in at like five six five seven. So yeah. you know, what, Now with with the way Heavyweight boxing is has gone There's nobody under 6'7". right? You know, and they're not coming in at two sixty five either. I think I'm I'm kind of surprised the UFC's been able to keep that because two sixty five today is not that big of a deal.
0: No, no, and I mean, every once in a while, you'll hear people talk about 265 and like a cruiserweight division, uh, but that's really only when the top uh, dog at, at heavyweight is, you know, someone that's truly cutting, and maybe a contender is around 220 pounds. Uh, you're know, short of a Brock Lesnar resurgence, I don't think you're going to hear too many people, because like the best heavyweights in the world are around 235, 240, generally.
1: Yeah, well, for in this sport, yeah, but I think the other, like boxing, the guys are getting closer to 300 as... You know, as time goes on, so
0: yeah. But MMA, I think, is going to always be that equalizer. It's always going to kind of bring that uh, median weight down uh, at heavyweight. All right, the the stage is set. Let's uh, not put it off any longer. Let's get ready. It's extra rounds here from UFC Fight Pass. Three episodes into your favorite podcast slash, I don't know what this is, Right, Like, I feel like it's television. Like, it's kind of like television, no? I feel like it's just me and you talking every week at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, depending on the week, you know, if we uh, don't you know, tease people with Pearl to tune in, you know, maybe it is just you and I talking. But no, it's not true. <laughs>
1: Where is Pearl's Paradise tonight? Do we have any idea?
0: She's moving. She's moving from New York to Miami. She changed her travel around. She was actually available, but I was already like too deep into building the show around you. Uh, uh, so I didn't want to like uh, you know, screw everything up. So uh, she's going to join me on Saturday night, I think, for the uh, post-fight show. I don't know if you yeah. will. It, it's kind of an early one. It's not a, a late one, Ray. If you want to test the boundaries of uh, Internet censorship, let's go. Yeah, if it's an early one, I'm in. All right, perfect. Uh, it'll be paradise with you and Pearl on extra rounds uh, here from UFC Fight Pass. Let's uh, let's talk about what we got going on. We've already hit on it a little bit. Jared Cannonier, the number three ranked middleweight, taking on Kelvin Gastelum. Canadier uh, really so far so good thus far at middleweight. Yes, he lost his last fight. It's his first loss at 185 pounds since making the move. But Canadier is a guy that uh, has been fighting at this weight class now since uh, 2018. Um, like I said, three. three Three and one, uh, taking on Kelvin Gastelum. Um, if he. You know, has a, a a sterling performance, being ranked at number three. This is a division that has gone through some uh, overturn as of late. He might find himself doing uh, quite all right as far as you know the pecking order is concerned. You never know. Like when you are ranked number three, Ray, I, I kind of feel like you're always an outside shot away from either being the backup of a pay per view uh, in case the title uh, fight falls out, or even the backup of a title eliminator fight if you're not in it yourself. So I, I guess I'm I'm curious, Ray, when you look at this fight between uh, Jared Kananier and and Calvin Aslam, what do you see really the stakes being? Is this a fight that could be a title eliminator or, or something that Kananier, if he gets style points, is uh, a potential contender?
1: I think for Kananier, it 100% is. I think this is a really important fight. Who did he lose to last time, TJ? Robert Whitaker. Whitaker, and I think, uh, I think uh, Israel Adesanya put the hex on him because he was talking about fighting him and you're going to get past you know, Whitaker, and uh, that didn't work out. So right. this is a really good fight for Kanye to get back on track. Kelvin's tough. He's going to be in his face. Uh, Five-rounder?
0: It is, yes, sir.
1: Yeah, so I think that might favor Kelvin a little bit. But uh, I, I like this fight. It's definitely going to be an exciting fight. Kelvin walks you down. He comes right at you. This guy's got huge power. Can he sustain the power? For five rounds or get him out of there. That's that's the question to me. But I think Kelvin, you know, he's been struggling lately. uh, But I still uh, I still think if you give him the right fight that he wants, he's still very dangerous.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the interesting question about Kelvin Gastelum because he's a guy that has had some, some hard times as of late. As you mentioned, he's, he's lost uh, a few now uh, in a row. Um, no one ever wants to be on a, a sort of a losing streak, but if anybody is, you know, proven to come back from adversity, it is Kelvin Gastelum. He was a guy that had a hard time making weight. It looked like, you know, the chips were sort of down for him. But then he came back and he, you know, knocked out Michael Bisping and people started talking a little bit more. Uh, I don't think that Kelvin Gastelum is going to fight for a title if he beats Jared Kananier. But I guess the question for for you, Ray, is... Does Kelvin Gastelum have another run in him to where he could get back into that status and actually look like someone that we should entertain the idea of being a top 5 uh, middleweight or or a potential title contender again in the future?
1: You know, TJ it's it's tough when you lose the momentum, right? right. And you got to get back 3 or 4 spots and then come back again. You know, I mean, uh, age obviously isn't on your side, you know, just keep keep getting older as years go by. And with that brings a lot of other adversities to, you know, just normally uh, forget being a fighter. So I think it would be extremely hard for him. I think the the difference with near is that he was already on the radar, and they kind of need new names to uh, spice it up a little bit. So I think if he has a big win over Kelvin or he knocks him out, he's going to be right in line to uh, get a title shot. But Kelvin, I think, just based on what I think the UFC would do, uh, going to uh, they're not giving him a shot
0: I'm curious for Kelvin, though you know if he can you know battle back to title contention at 185. But also too, if that doesn't work out, do you think there's still enough left in the tank for for Kelvin to maybe consider going back down to 170 pounds? Because a lot of people feel like that is still an option. I know he had trouble making the weight there, but he performed well at 170 pounds, and you know now he's a little more mature. Maybe he can you know better make that weight. Look, we've seen it with Jose Aldo. He's proven it. Right.
1: Uh, I think one seventy would be a great you know, he's gonna have to be disciplined, maybe more disciplined than he wants to be, but if he does the right thing with the food, you can tell by the way his body is, he he could make one seventy. So, you know, some guys just, you know, they wanna fight at the weight they wanna fight at and they'll, you know, take the good and the bad with it. But uh, uh, for the guys that really want to get disciplined with the diet, I think it's right there for them. And I think that wouldn't be a bad – I'd like to see that myself because I think, again, years ago I remember hearing Jose Aldo's or Jose Aldo's having a hard time making 45. But look at him. He's making 35. He looks great. So I think that's – that Kelvin should really look at, because I think that's a great point.
0: Weight is always uh, a tricky topic when it comes to any athlete, because you know you, you never want to push any athlete who is not sold on being in a weight class to cut any more than they have to. Obviously, there are health concerns there, but for, for Kelvin Gaslam, like he's just a short, stocky guy. He doesn't have the frame of a 185 pound fighter. There, there aren't many guys that are the size, the height size uh, of Kelvin that can really hang fighting former 205-pounders from just that height size, like what you were saying, the, the reach and yeah. the things that go in, 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 along with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that that's one of the things I love about Kelvin Gastelum. He came up from 170, and he was destroying guys at 185. Look at the guys he's knocked out. Uh, he was on a, a real tear before uh, the Adesanya fight, and I believe he could have won that fight. He made a couple of tactical errors. Uh, you know, I think he had him out and he went for a takedown let him survive. But, uh, Kelvin was no joke, man. At 85 for that size, I think that's why I really think he's a phenomenal fighter. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, like, again, he's getting older. He's got to get his head back into it. But, uh, I don't think 70 would be a bad, a bad choice. Uh, because I think 185, you know. I think you'd just make some new matchups at 70 that would interest people That, that from a matchmaking standpoint.
0: Right. Do you, do you ever have conversations with your athletes about whether or not a, a certain weight class might be a better uh, situation, or do you allow them to, to come to that conclusion prior to you ever broaching the topic?
1: Well, no, no. We well, I broached the topic, but nobody actually listens to me. Okay. But, All right. Well, I mean, fair enough. You know, I mean, like, I know when Marab was coming up, I said, you know, I think you'd be good at 25.
0: <laughs> right. I mean,
1: he said, when I UFC, I'll drop down to 25. That was kind of what he said. But then again, his English wasn't that good back then. So who who really knows what he said? But he's not moving from 35. And I always thought Al would be great at 45. But he never even wanted to remotely hear that. But you know, like I think 150. You know, like there's a like in boxing they had those five pound you know, uh, differentials. Right. Like I, there's so many guys in my gym that that five pounds would just help. Like I think Al at one fifty, that would be his weight class. You know what I'm saying?
0: You know, Uh, I, I I like the idea of more catch weight fights, you know, especially if it's like not a, a a top 10, uh, matchup. Like why not have a catch weight just to see if somebody feels better.
1: I love it, man. A lot of guys do way better with that five pounds. Like, yeah. I'd love I to see Marab at 130. I think that would be a great weight class for him. You right.
0: Know? And, and also, too, every, everyone is particular about their decision to make that change. And a lot of athletes want to have a, a test cut, but they don't have a test fight. You know what I mean? Right. They'll do that test cut in the gym, and then they, you know, do some hard sparring. But that's different. That's you're taking out the walk. You're taking out, you know, the fight week traveling and, and all of that. Um, I, I would love to see more catchweight fights uh, if it meant, uh, you know, fighters were able to sort of, you know, experiment a bit with uh, the, their decision making in that process.
1: Yeah. So. Well, I just uh, we just I just lost a fight last week. We were in the Mohegan Sun had a kid making his Bellator debut, and his guy came in six pounds over.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, and he, that's the thing, too. It's like you never right. want to take those fights. Like, you're kind of chastised as a fighter if you don't take those fights. But right. it, it, at the end of the day, like, if you lose it's, and you think it's because your opponent was significantly bigger, and yeah, you're just putting yourself behind the eight ball.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I've, look, I've had guys turn down fights because the guy couldn't make the weight, which I agree with. And I had guys take the fight. Lose with a weight differential and be really fucking pissed off after the fight. Like, really pissed off. And it's like, again, nobody doesn't want to fight, but sometimes those are the hard decisions you make. And it sends out a message to the fighters and the promotion that, hey, you know, there's not going to be a
0: fight. Right. So you got to bring in guys that you could trust. Right. I mean, it's hard. It's it's really difficult, and uh, you know that's the thing too. Fighters don't really get paid unless they fight. So it's like, what do they right. want to do? You you want to go home with half your money when you might be able to fight for all of it? Is it's very difficult. There's there's some pressure there too. And at the end of the day, like Chuck Liddell always said, you know, the the work is done at home. Now we get to have fun. I'm, I'm coming to have fun. Yep. There's, I mean, you could probably miss weight by twenty pounds. Chuck Liddell's still uh, going to go out there and, and fight. So um,
1: listen, back in the day, back in the day, those people were fighting. If I had Sarah first coming up, I mean, there were 30-pound differences. Right. But, you know, we we were op- operating outside of an athletic commission. Yeah. But, you know, Oh, thank God it all worked out.
0: Yeah, he's Ray Longo. I'm TJ DeSantis. This is his Extra Rounds from UFC Fight Pass. What's in the uh, the Shaker Cup there? What are you drinking today? Uh,
1: just Regular water.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't know if you had, like, some super beverage sponsorship or something. No, no. Trying definitely. to work it, in, work it in the mix. This
1: time I just went regular water. But a lot of electrolytes during the day Muggy shit over here today muggy muggy
0: all right i i mean i i I don't really feel that because i live here in southern california where it's never really too muggy but uh it's been hot lately right i don't have air conditioning in here either so uh yeah it's bad it's tough it's tough Uh, like i got a stupid hot light over here it's like 100 degrees in this room you know i'm always wearing this uh awesome quintet ultra hoodie you know so what are you gonna do um you styling tonight i like it. something like that something like that let's talk about our co event coming up on saturday night clay guida takes on mark madsen clay guida is is truly a hall of famer because he has a fight that is in the ufc hall of fame and uh, you know he's iconic in in many ways and uh, how he has his presence and i mean w- when clay guida is done fighting people are still going to talk about Clay Guida for a variety of reasons. One is this prep point ritual that he has with his brother Jason. They always embrace and like here Jason's like giving him the mouthpiece like you know what's going to happen I'm going to hit you. You might as well have your damn mouthpiece in. Uh, I'm always afraid that they're just going to like forget what they're doing and just like bust out into a a full on sparring session but uh, never works out that way. Clay Guida's got to save some energy which he always has uh, for the fight and coming up uh, this Saturday night he finds himself uh, inside the the octagon with mark madsen uh, clay guida is a guy that uh, again is a fan favorite always someone that people are excited to watch And he's taking on a guy who's relatively new uh, to the ufc his third appearance uh, for mark madsen um, what are your thoughts when you see clay guida on a card because i don't care where clay guida is on the rankings if he's lost a couple in a row i just want to see the man fight because he's always entertaining
1: I think you got a good point there. Look, he's one of the good guys, right? So everybody wants to see him do well. I believe. And how, how old is Clay Guida now? He's been around forever, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's got to be a thirty-six, thirty-seven. I can pull that up. Yeah,
1: even maybe older than that. But uh, again, a likable guy, uh, has a great family. I've met his mother and father a couple of times. They're just salt of the earth type of people. And yeah, you're always going to pull for Clay Guida because he. Uh, He's going to fight the same way no matter who he's fighting.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, you're right, Ray. I was, uh, was wrong giving him uh, a few less years than he's actually lived. He's uh, 39.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I say. you got to be pulling for Clay. Hey, listen, I'd be worried when he gets to that fighter's circle and he's not getting smacked in the face. Right, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we to worry about Clay Guido. As, as, as long as he's jumping around and acting crazy, he's good to go. Just wind him up, point him into the cage. He's going to give you his show.
0: Look at this. Uh, this is him finishing uh, Joe Lozon. And the referee, I don't know who the referee is here, but this is a clinic in how not to stop a fight. Because I don't know if, if Clay Guida made him upset, but like, look at this. This guy like strangles him. What are you doing, yeah. man? Yeah. <laughs> Just interesting, to say the least. But Clay Guida getting the win over Joe Lozon. Now he tries to get the win over uh, Mark Madsen coming up on, on Saturday. Uh, you mentioned Clay Guida's family. I once almost got in a fight with his entire family. No, they're nice people.
1: That's impossible. Mm, I'll
0: I'll tell you what I did because I definitely pissed them all off. I was interviewing Clay in his uh, hotel room in Omaha, Nebraska, immediately after a UFC fight night in which he won. And uh, the TV was on. So just like instinctually, I turned off the television instead of putting it on mute. And all of a sudden, the entire Guida clan was ready to kill me. I didn't realize that I turned off the Cubs game.
1: Oh, I thought it was maybe Wheel of Fortune. No, no, no.
0: no. It was the Cubs game. It was the Cubs game. And, like, I believe Clay has lifetime season tickets to Wrigley. Think about that. Like, what would that be worth? A lot.
1: That's worth a lot if you got Yankee tickets, so I don't know. uh,
0: The Yankees come to town every once in a while, so they even, you know, go up in value. But, no, uh, don't turn off the Cubs game when Clay Guida's family. (laughs) is watching it. Put it on mute. Um, Looking at Guida, as I mentioned, he is a uh, UFC Hall of Famer in the sense that his fight with uh, Diego Sanchez is in the the Hall of Fame. Um, But I'm curious if Guida proper is a UFC Hall of Famer in your book. We've already talked about sort of his Icon status and, and he, you know the, the brand that he brings of just relentless movement, just always moving. I think they call it kinetic energy. Uh, that's exactly what Clay Guida brings to the octagon. Um, but you know he's he's had some tough times in the octagon. He's always come back, always game. But he doesn't have a title fight in his past. He doesn't have a, a championship. Uh, you know, in the UFC, he's former strike force champion, um, but but not a UFC champion. Can Clay Guida put together a resume that? Eventually gets him in the UFC Hall of Fame as a fighter. Uh, at this point, I'm going to say,
1: and I, I really like him a lot. I'm going to say that's going to be tough. But he's definitely, he definitely, definitely has a Hall of Fame attitude. And if he's going in there, I man, you want to give somebody a Hall of Fame induction based on attitude? Clay Guede is your guy because he yeah. he the same intensity every fight. So, uh, but as far as if you start really dissecting his record and things like that, I think it's going to be a little tough.
0: Yeah, I I definitely think it'll be tough. I think he will get there, but things will have to change if he gets there. And by that, I mean we're going to have to see nine to ten people go in each year. Um, There may be a a voting committee, something like that. Uh, But I I do think that if, if the UFC Hall of Fame eventually looks like a a, a regular Hall of Fame, like traditional baseball, where they have a class of, like I said, 15-20 people sometimes going in every year. I think Clay Guida will will get there, but again, it's going to be tough. Um, Never say never. Uh, I don't think that Clay Guida is is going to be a UFC champion, as I said. Never say never. But Clay Guida is a consummate professional to me, Ray, that you got to believe that there are 99% of the fighters out there that are going to say, I'd be Fine with my career turning out like Clay Guida's you don't have to have a UFC belt hanging at home on the mantle to have a a fantastic career and that's exactly what Clay Guida has had
1: yeah I think he's gonna be like uh reminds me maybe a little like Josh Koscheck you know what I mean like they were gonna be a champion but you knew who they were and they fought everybody and I think that's like you say everybody knows who Clay Guida is you know that's right uh, he's been around forever uh, I think he's, you know, he's fought the best of the best. And, uh, yeah, I think, he's, uh, I think he's a consideration, but uh, we'll see what happens.
0: I, I've always taken a liking to Clay Guida because I saw his fifth professional fight in a barn in Rochester, Minnesota, in which he won by headlock, Ray. Nice. Headlock. <laughs> I mean, who wins a fight by headlock? Uh, anybody fighting me, I'll tap out. I mean, uh, well, Ray Longo, I was just going to say you could probably headlock me and win. So you're good to go. Um, let's talk about Clay's uh, opponent, Mark O. Madsen, or just Mark Madsen. Uh, they call him the Olympian. Um, this is his third UFC appearance, Ray, and this has got to be somewhat of a record in the, the modern era, if you will. It's his third UFC appearance in his second co-main event appearance, which you're not going to find too many people in that spotlight that quickly into their UFC run. That said, this co-main event is a lot different than his last co-main event. Uh, I'm curious when you look at, at Mark Madsen and, and what he's got in front of him in this co-main event uh, assignment, uh, if he's going to feel extra pressure because it's a, it's a higher profile co-main against right. a proven commodity in Clay Guida. Is that going to impact Mark Madsen? Well, you said he's
1: already been there before, right? Right, With but a- not
0: against someone as well known as Clay Guida.
1: Yeah, but it's an older guy at this point. It's definitely a guy on the tail end of his career. I think uh, he's an Olympian, you said?
0: Yep, Uh, represented Denmark in the Olympics uh, for wrestling, I believe.
1: I saw Campman walking out with him, which is good to see. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think he's got the experience not to let this bother him. You know what I mean? I don't think it's that big. I think it's a great name, but he's going to rationalize it as, you know, he's going to look at his last five fights and he's going to look at the age and, He's been there before, and he's an Olympian. He knows what he knows how to deal with pressure. So I I, I don't think he's going to have a problem. Uh, I think the awkwardness of Clay Guida at this stage of his career might give him a problem.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, agree with that. If there's pressure, it's going to be the pressure that is put on him from yeah, Clay right. Guida, not the the event spotlight. And like you said, like you know how many people watch the Olympics. Like maybe not everyone in America is tuning in to the wrestling portion of the games, but uh, I promise you that other parts of the uh, world that is must see TV. And yeah, there's no bigger pressure I think than than competing on a world stage like that. Definitely. When you but look when you look at uh, uh, madson in in this opportunity i i think there could be nerves with that as well but not because of the bright lights of the octagon now i, I am curious though ray you've obviously made the walk with plenty of athletes over your time where they ha- have made that first ufc appearance is it case to case and when those go away or what is the formula there because almost everybody says look the bright lights the ufc branding It got to me a little bit, but by fight two, generally they're much better than they were the first go around, if not completely cured.
1: Yeah, I mean I've seen guys panic the first couple of fights and then ease into it after that. Um, Everybody obviously is different. I think they try to they try to eliminate me as much as possible because I get nervous, you know. And then, but there's certain guys I really don't get nervous with because I just know exactly what they're going to do, whether they win or lose. I know I'm getting you know, the version that I think I'm getting out of him. But uh, I think even in the last fight, I think the uh, main event thing with Aljo, I think that might have had a little, uh, you know, he was a little frantic. And he uh, came out of the, you know, he got, came out of the uh, the gate like a wild man. But, um, yeah, every everybody's different, you know, and that's how you grow. You know, the more experiences you have and the more times you make that walk, you know, the more it desensitizes you and it just becomes normal to you.
0: Yeah, no, I I definitely think that uh, the 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 term desensitized like that 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 doesn't sound like it, it's necessarily a good thing, but I think it can be an amazing thing when it comes to competing at this level.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying like you want to be desensitized to the point where you're numb. I'm just right. saying understand what's going to happen, and I, I, maybe I use the wrong word. You want to channel those feelings into the right spot, but like you take a guy like I have, Marab, right? Never about that guy i know exactly what he's gonna do i mean it's hard to keep him out of the octagon so he's he's dying to get in there so he's a totally different animal than than most people but there's a lot of guys they just want to fight that's where they feel comfortable that's their you know that's their comfort zone is in that octagon so um it's different for everybody you know and uh i have seen people nervous the first couple of fights and and get out of that uh and I've, I've seen just about everything I think, but for the most part, you know, when you love to fight and you love to do what you're supposed to be doing, it's never a problem.
0: I'm I'm curious. You say you're nervous. Like, what do you do to like calm yourself in the back? Especially if you're on like later in the night, like with an Aljo, you could be going on last. Like, what do you do to pass the time?
1: Uh, you know, just I'm sitting there. I'm always thinking of, you know, playing how to fight. I'd like to see the fight go in my head, things like that. But, uh, I haven't been too crazy lately, but uh, I think at the beginning it was – I was definitely – I just want to see these guys do good, you know. So, like, again, like at the beginning you take a guy like Matt and draw, you know, they were very close friends. And it's, it's not like – I'm not going there with a fighter. I'm going there with a friend. And that's a totally different thing. Even, you know, when Weidman fought Anderson Silver and I did that, you know, punch a hole in his fucking chest, that was more like – I, I thought Anderson was disrespecting him, and I was like, "Dude, this is a motherfucking street fight." It's mean, right? just, yeah, you know, I don't give, I don't give a fuck now. I mean, yeah. I, you know, he was mocking him a little bit. I thought it wasn't right, uh, so it was just more getting involved because it's not just a fighter; it's a, it's a close friend, and that to me makes a big difference. And that's why I'm nervous. I just want to see these guys perform at their best ability, and uh, you know, sometimes when the stakes are higher, they got a really dangerous guy in front of them. I think it's only normal to uh, second guess a couple of things, but I always come back, you know, to point A, which is always good. So, I
0: I like that because at the end of the day, yes, it's a fight, yes, it's an athletic competition, but there are some times athletes need to get fired up and get almost. A yeah. bit angry. And like you said, like, uh, granted, you know, Anderson Silva is one of the greatest middleweights of all time, one of the, the greatest mixed martial artists Absolutely. of all time, but that doesn't give him the right to try to clown on you. And if you're the guy standing across from him, you want to command that respect. D- did you say that just to maybe fire Weidman up and, and maybe make it personal?
1: Well, there's two things. So the honest part about it is we knew uh, Anderson had great head movement, right? You can right. see him with the you know, making guys miss, so I want him to hit something, so my the thing was, we we worked that whole camp of aiming at the chest, alright, so that that's the, the, so the realistic point was, you know, if you could hit him in the chest, you could find his head after that, um, and then that became, I want you to, you know, let's go back to what we talked I want you to punch a hole in his fucking chest, but yeah. the sidebar on that was the disrespect, and it was more just heating up, and it was like, Like if we're out in the street and I see a guy fucking around with my friend, that's a different, you know, that's a different thing. You're not in the octagon anymore. So I kind of, that's kind of where my head went. Um, And that's the way it got internalized and came out. But it was meant to be passionate and to really rile him up. And he knew what I was talking about because we had discussed sentiments, that stuff, yeah.
0: But some athletes, I think that could actually do a detriment. Um, you know, some athletes get emotional and then, you know, like look at Jose Aldo and the Conor McGregor fight. We talked about that last week when we, you know, were, we're doing the, the release party for 264, which, by the way, is available on UFC Fight Pass. Um, what about, like, say, for Aljo coming up here? Uh, eventually, we're going to have to see him fight Peter Young. There's some unfinished business there. Uh, yeah. when I look at that, um, you know, there's been some, some, you know, barbs thrown back and forth. But at the end of the day, you've said this that for, For Aljo, it's not super personal. You don't think that it's something that necessarily eats at him, per se. Um, What about that matchup? Would you try to push him in that direction to get him fired up personal, or would you stay away from it? Uh, i have to see what
1: the situation calls for. But, uh, you know, Aljo's funny, man. He's got one thing, like, you know, with the trash talking. You know, like he'll always say, is he going to hit me any lighter if I don't trash talk about him? When you think about it, He's he's kinda right. Like right. it's a fucking fight. Like, wait, you're telling me now because I'm talking shit about you, you're gonna hit me harder? Right. Than, yeah. than, this doesn't even make sense. So I like like when you give Aljo a chance to break stuff down, it is pretty funny. And that's one of his things that I always get a kick at of, and I agree with him a hundred percent. Like it's what does that even mean? I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, you know, we're going in there to hurt each other. And now you're yeah. saying you wanna hurt me more because really so there's degrees of how much fight you're going to give me
0: well what i'm guessing is it's not necessarily i'm going to hit you harder it's going to be i'm going to be more aggressive now some fighters can benefit from being more aggressive and not waiting but that said like we saw in the jose aldo fight he ran right after conor mcgregor and got knocked out in 13 seconds aggression was to his detriment
1: yes that that was that was a a great example of never you know why not to let a guy get in your head yeah he fought him and it cost him that fight, for sure. I mean, I don't know what would have happened otherwise, but he definitely, I don't care what he even says, he let McGregor get under his skin, and, you know, Muhammad Ali did the same thing. He, you know, he tortured people before he fought them but then he could back it up, you know what I mean? So that's that's that was the good thing, you know, like even what he did with Foreman. He let Foreman beat on him. You hear Foreman talk. He'd be telling him, is that the, that's all you have? And here's a guy that's killing people. Right, right? he was... He- he was the original Mike Tyson. People lost the fight before they even got in the ring with Foreman. And here's a now a guy. Now he's hitting you with you're hitting the guy with his best shots, and he's laughing at you, asking if that's all you got. So you know that Ali was a master at that. I think McGregor tries to do the exact same thing, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't.
0: Well, I mean, now he's going after Daniel Cormier, so I don't. I don't
1: that that that's not going to work out too good.
0: I don't think so. I don't think so. But, uh, I mean, it worked with, with Jose Aldo because Aldo was this, you know, professional that it really hadn't shown any weakness leading up to that fight. And then, man, and you're right, right? We don't know what would happened otherwise. That's why we need to run that fight back. We need it back. <laughs>
1: oh, man, you led me right into that. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to campaign for this thing until it literally can't happen. I don't think it can happen now. But in, until both of those men are retired, like, I'm, I'm always going to be pitching for it.
1: Imagine if I would have agreed with you now. You caught me off guard after two weeks of saying it's never going to happen.
0: Right. I know. I know. I mean, again, like, I'll, I'll just keep throwing, you know, pebbles. Like, I understand that throwing pebbles at a tank, probably not going to make the tank break down. But if I throw a million, you never know. Crazier okay. things have happened.
1: Keep trying.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Get down seven, get up eight, TJ. Just keep going.
0: Right. I mean, that's when you, when you don't have any talent, you have to be persistent. That's the story of my hey, life, Ray Longo.
1: Have to be a pebble thrower,
0: right? Yeah, I'm with you. I think, I, I think I'm understanding your mind
1: a See? little clearer tonight.
0: Yeah, this is good. This is how I've got everything in life. You just be annoying, and then finally someone gives you what you want, so you just go away. Yeah, exactly. Oh,
1: There's, there's a lot of guys I can think about that operator. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, oh. I don't think you're one of them, but All right. it's still a good point.
0: Maybe there's talent somewhere in here. I'm not going to boast about it, though, because uh, you know I'm going I'm to quit before I'm behind or quit while I'm ahead. Is that the saying? I don't, I don't know.
1: Quit while you're ahead. We might need to
0: quit right now. I feel like we're ahead right now. Maybe we I should think,
1: quit. You know, TJ, this was like an intimate conversation between me and you. It's getting a little scary, no? We,
0: I mean, I feel closer to you. Yeah. Childhood. Um, well, I grew up in Minneapolis. No, we'll, we'll save that for another time. I think I'm, I might actually have to pay you to listen to that story. <laughs> so, uh, we'll talk to you on Saturday night. I'll get Pearl here. That should be your payment. All right. Beautiful. Perfect. Well, hey, real quick, Ray Longo, uh, the Anakin Florian podcast. You're on that. It's every Monday now, right? Every Monday. And, and people can buy a, a Ray Longo t-shirt. Oh, go to the merchandise, the Palm, the A lot of different colors now. They, shirts really? are
1: going... Oh so,
0: yeah. All right. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll get one and rock it in Las Vegas for International Fight Week.
1: Are you are you going out for International? Fight I'll be
0: there. All right. I mean, I, might, I, you, I don't I know. Might, if, I, I don't know if I'm invited necessarily, Ray. But it's like four hours in the car, so I'm just gonna go. You know, we'll figure don't, it out.
1: Don't, don't be a party creation.
0: What? Again, you, like you have to be persistent. You just show up, and then like, what, what, what's that saying? Like you ask uh, for forgiveness rather than permission.
1: Exactly. I think I'm good this time. I think my schedule's clear. Good. All
0: right, so I'll tell Fight Pass that we're bringing Ray Longo out, and then uh, it should be set in stone. Maybe they'll even get me in the building. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, we'll talk to you on Saturday, Ray. Thank you. Great talking. Take it easy, guys. See you. That's Ray Longo. You can catch him here uh, all the time on Extra Rounds, usually uh, uh, this midweek, and then uh, we get him on these uh, post-fight cards when... They're early because, you know, Ray's out there in, uh, in uh, Longo Island, as I like to call it. But it is Long Island, New York, Eastern Time Zone. Uh, he gets sleepy. I get it. Uh, but he'll join me, and, and Pearl will definitely keep him awake because Pearl's always uh, up for some post-fight chatter. Hopefully you are as well. You can tune in and uh, check out what we got going on uh, immediately following the, uh, the fights on Saturday. Um, by the way, I said episode 83 of Extra Rounds. No better time to go over to UFC Fight Pass right now and check out episodes 1 through 82. I'd say check out episode 83, but it's still going right now. Um, You can tune in there You can also check us out uh, On Facebook If you're watching on Fight Pass You don't know how to catch us live Uh, Usually live Wednesdays at 5 Today going live on a Thursday But we are live on the UFC Fight Pass Facebook page That is facebook.com Forward slash UFC Fight Pass And if you're more into audio uh, Download all of our podcasts Uh, They're available for you Pretty much wherever you get podcasts Whether it be uh, Apple Podcasts uh, The Google Play Store um, iHeartRadio Spotify Spreaker, um, like I said, anywhere you get podcasts, you can tune in and check out uh, all of our episodes as we, uh, again, are live Wednesdays, Uh, but again pretty much after every uh, fight night uh, on Saturday, immediately after uh, the fights, again, live on Facebook. So uh, we'll catch you on Saturday night, immediately following the UFC Fight Night card. Uh, Break it down with Pearl and Ray, and we'll see you then, live on Facebook again, or archived on UFC Fight Pass. For Ray Longo, I am TJ DeSantis. We will see you next time for more extra rounds, right here on UFC Fight Pass. Rounds from UFC Fight Pass is a T.J. DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. This concludes our live broadcast of Extra Rounds. Are we still on the air? Watch the archive anytime on UFC Fight Pass or facebook.com slash UFC Fight Pass. You can also listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.